Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Black Buffalo products are intended for adults age 21 and older who are consumers of nicotine or tobacco. If you're an adult age 21 and older and use nicotine or tobacco, I want to tell you about Black Buffalo's award-winning nicotine pouches. What are they made of? Cured edible green leaves, food-grade ingredients, and pharmaceutical-grade nicotine. No tobacco leaf or stem. So if you're 21 and older, consume nicotine or tobacco and want to join the Black Buffalo herd, head over to blackbuffalo.com to learn more. You can order nicotine pouches online and they ship directly to most states. Or check out their store locator to purchase pouches at thousands of retail locations around the country. Black Buffalo Tobacco Alternative. Bold flavor, full pouches. You know our trusted partner TireRack.com for their fast free shipping, free road hazard protection, convenient installation options, and their great selection of best tires, like the highly consumer-rated Hankook Dynapro AT2 Extreme. But did you know they sell other automotive products? Wheels, brakes, suspension, just to name a few. Go to TireRack.com slash Colin. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. The Volume. Throw down on big matchups with DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the NFL. This week, new customers can bet just 5 bucks on the NFL and score 150 instantly in bonus bets. Download DraftKings Sportsbook now with code JOHN. New customers can bet $5 on the NFL action to score 150 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code J-O-H-N. JOHN, the crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restriction terms and, and responsible gaming resources. What is going on, everybody? John Middlecoff, 3 and Out Podcast. How are we doing, my people? Here's the game plan. I want to hit on a couple things. I want to hit on Michael Penix. Could he potentially be the number two quarterback off the board behind Caleb Williams? A couple things that stood out to me about the Ravens and the 49ers being the number one seed. Jim Harbaugh, a lot of scuttlebutt, a lot of buzz. Is he headed to the National Football League? Nick Sirianni and the Eagles leaking some serious oil. And then a couple thoughts on uh, guys like Carson Wentz because teams have solidified playoff positioning slash bids being able to uh, start this weekend. Carson Wentz versus Sam Darnold. 
Who would have thought that? But that, that, that's what we got. A couple, couple thoughts there from a scouting perspective and how people around the NFL are going to be paying attention to that. And then, of course, the Middlecoff mailbag, at John Middlecoff. At John Middlecoff is the Instagram. Fire in those DMs and get your question answered here on the show. If you listen on Collins' feed, make sure you subscribe to the 3 and Out feed. Appreciate everyone that has. Also, we have a YouTube channel. So make sure you subscribe to that. And we got all of our content is on video. So you can see uh, you know, this beautiful face right here just talking what you're listening to. And other than that, <sighs> these are fun times. We got the last week of the NFL. We have the national championship. Then we got the NFL playoffs. PGA Tour season's right around the corner. So I, I'm excited. I, I like early January. A little cold where I'm at. Not going to lie. It's like 50 degrees in Arizona. Haven't seen the sun in a while. But I know some of you listening are probably a lot colder than me. So let's rock and roll. I wanted to dive into Michael Penix first. And one thing that is solidified in my belief when it comes to success, guys in football, guys really in any walk of life, women too, is the way you're wired, right? The drive, the the intrinsic things that can't be measured. Because at the highest level of any industry, whether it's finance, whether it's restaurants, you know, whether it's the NFL, a lot of people have talent. There are a lot of talented people in every walk of life who do not succeed. Just like there are a lot of people that lack talent who pass people because of their willingness to do whatever it takes. And clearly in football, when you just look over you know, the course of my adult life, the last 20 plus years, the two best quarterbacks would be Tom Brady and Peyton Manning. Then there would be other guys, you know, Rodgers would be on their heels. Drew Brees, Roethlisberger, there'd be a group of other dudes. But I think the two guys, and I've said forever, they are my Magic and Larry Bird of football. They're the guys that took the sport to the next level. And Mahomes feels like has a chance to be Michael Jordan. A lot of his career is left to right. We'll see. Uh, Clearly, he's already had a Hall of Fame career. But I just talking Manning and Brady, when I think about both guys, one guy was the first pick, the other guy was pick 199. Both of them, their wiring, their intangibles, their work ethic couldn't be any better. It, it, it's as good as it gets. Their desire to do everything humanly possible to be the best football player uh, that they can be, even as they make money, as they gain fame, as they have success, as they win a Super Bowl. You know, obviously Brady won three by 05, Peyton Manning won it the next year. I mean, these guys were accomplished, you know, 20 years ago, right? And their work ethic, their drive never stopped. So when we talk about the upcoming draft, the more and more I text around, and, and listen, it's, I don't want to say been set in stone for a long time, but Caleb Williams is going to be the number one overall pick in the draft. Because the draft is obviously a lot about intangibles, but the physical attributes and the projection is a major part of it, right? And Caleb, totally understand why he's going to be the number one overall pick. But when we talk about the number two overall pick, which is clearly going to be a quarterback, how is Michael Penix not going to be that guy? Like, because I heard Colin go on this rant to this morning about injuries that scare people. And I've said they're fair. Like, I, I've been in these meetings. I understand the way doctors, the way they influence coaches and gentlemen. Guys get hurt. It's football. You, you literally can get hurt in the weight room. You can get hurt. I remember Michael Crabtree and Jeremy Macklin. A lot of guys get hurt in OTAs. Terry Sierra's, Tara Achilles. It's, you never know. You get hurt in a game. You get your leg shattered. You get hurt in a car accident. Welcome to life. 
So you got to be willing to take risks. But if you just watch football this year, it's pretty clear that this is the, you could argue, the best quarterback. Now, the draft is about more than what you do in college. Mac Jones was a phenomenal college player. Said forever, he went too high, right? This guy to me, like, I think if you could do, redo the Burrow draft, clearly, you know, I, I think Burrow still goes one. Herbert goes two. But Tua still goes, at latest, five to Miami. Like, Tua's a really good player. I was just texting with a, uh, a personnel director who's like, Penix is a way better Tua with more juice and a better athlete. So when you factor in his talent, which we've all seen it, is immense. Great thrower, accurate, incredible deep ball, great within the pocket, has enough movement. And then the wiring, you don't even have to question, right? He's the unquestioned leader of the team in terms of he's a captain, leads the team in a talk before the, the Rose Bowl, coaches out of the room, I want to address the team. So all the, all the work ethic, the desire, the willingness to do whatever it takes to win, like check, 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 check. Are, are we overthinking this one? Like, listen, Drake May is an intriguing prospect. I wouldn't bet my future on it. Jaden Daniels had a fantastic year. SEC a little down. A lot of running around, right? Like, plays with some great wide receivers too. Again, good prospect. He's going to get drafted high. But is he a better player than Michael Penix? Like, Michael Penix right now (laughs) is a plug-and-play player in the NFL. And back to the wiring thing, when you're willing to work, you're just only going to improve. Like, why did Dak and Cousins have such fantastic careers as mid-round picks, as a third and fourth round pick. It's not their physical attributes. Dak doesn't have a huge arm. Cousins can't move. It was because of the intangible stuff, the character, the work ethic, the love of football. And when I watch Michael Penix, to me, he seems like a lot of guys who have had success in the NFL. He's not Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, or Patrick Mahomes, physically run around, power, power arm. But he does a lot of things that, like, that next group of guys 6 to 12 do. And, yeah, he's a little older. Well, most GMs don't have the job for 15 years. So you draft him at 24. If he gives you 10 good years, holy shit, right? I just think that we might be overthinking this one. And if he plays Michigan and basically not only resurrects this Washington program with the coaching staff, but slices and dices them, I don't know what else is humanly possible for a quarterback to do. Let's face it, Joe Burrow had one good college year, but he destroyed everybody. So it's like, well, he plays with a bunch of good players at Washington. Look who fucking Joe Burrow played with. Last I checked, Justin Jefferson's pretty good. Jamar Chase, not bad. Clyde was like a bust forever, and I'm watching Clyde this year. He's kind of coming into his own as a solid NFL player. So the knock that he can't play with any talent around him, like most good quarterbacks in college play with talent around him. (laughs) It's just... That's just the reality of the situation. Jane Daniels playing with multiple NFL stars at wide receiver. Tua, studs. Jalen Hurts, studs. Right? Mahomes, somewhat of an outlier. Deshaun Watson. Look at all the guys he played with at Clemson. So, to me, that's a dumb argument. Obviously, he has really good coaching. Well, you should feel pretty good about your coach in the NFL. I just think this talk about, you know, I, you text some people, he was like a fringe first rounder throughout the season. That's insanity. Like, I I watch football for a living, an unhealthy amount, start to finish Saturday through Monday night, actually starts Thursday. I watch so many quarterbacks, their downfall is not usually arm strength or, you know, even throwing it to the right area. It's they're not accurate and they freak out on pressure. Well, 
This team, now, they have one of the best offensive lines in the country. He has been sacked 11 times. Is it all because he has five Trent Williams blocking for him? Their best offensive line prospect, the left tackle, is going to be a guard in the NFL. Really good player, obviously, in college. But it's not just because no one comes untouched. It's because his innate feel. So what always translates in the NFL? Feel within the pocket. Feel for a pass rush. You know right away when you got watch a guy in the NFL, you go, God, he's just, he's kind of jittery. God, he's kind of scared. He's not willing to do that. Why did Phillip Rivers have such a good career? Because he was willing to stand in the pocket, move in the pocket, and make throws. He couldn't move and did not have a good arm. But he was accurate and good within that little three, you know, yard radius, right? And had a good sense of pressure. As he got older, he got tougher. But like in the peak of his career, like physically, Phillip Rivers, beside his height, average arm, can't move, bad athlete. <laughs> and to me, Penix, I, I just think we're overthinking this one. He, he's really, really good. Do I think he's going to be some superstar in the NFL? No. But every single guy, like, I understand why Caleb's going to be the number one pick, totally. I'm not even going to argue that. It's a waste of time. But when you look at the rest of the crew, you're all keeping your fingers crossed. To me, this, you could argue, least risk. Besides, like, injuries that he had years ago. And as people that have texted me, I'd be lying if I watched much Indiana football when he was there. Their team was terrible. Their offensive line was hideous. He led them nine wins. Got the coach that just got fired a $20 million buyout. That guy sucked. It was that guy. It was like, you, you watch Seattle and Kenneth Walker, how good that guy is? You know what Kenneth Walker did? He got, uh, what's his name at Michigan State, Mel Tucker, a $95 million contract. Look at Mel Tucker remove the season that he got Kenneth Walker. He's fucking terrible. I'm not even counting what he did on the cell phone to what's her name. I'm just talking as a coach. You play that guy, you kick his ass. You put Kenneth Walker on his team, he's good. Right? Sometimes you got to look like Washington, been following the Pac-12, 10, 8. 8 was kind of done by the time I became alive. But the 10 and the 12, for the most part, like Washington's been pretty hit or miss. You know, and a lot more miss than hit. And to me, they, they've always had skill guys, right? But they had this quarterback. And to me, he was a game changer. And I, I think he's really freaking good. And, and speaking of wiring, I was texting with an assistant for one of the number one seeds in the NFL. And it was not the 49ers. And we were talking about the wiring of the guys on his team. And he's like, how important that is for NFL players. And he thought it was everything. Because he's like, when you look at, let's just say, obviously there's a talent discrepancy of like the bottom 10 teams in the NFL and the top seven, eight, nine teams in the NFL. But the difference between the seventh team in the NFL and the first team in the NFL is not that wide. The difference truly is, and he thought, was the player's willingness not only to work, but to be coached and pushed hard. Because the difference in a lot of these NFL games, now, obviously you get blowouts. The Niners have been in them. The Ravens have been in them. But you're going to play in, if you're going to win a Super Bowl, you're going to play in close games. And when you get in those close games, do you have the mental capacity from being pushed? This is what the Patriots hung their hat on for 20 years. To separate. To not crack under pressure. To make a play. To take in a lot of information in a highly stressful spot and still function at a high level, right? It's why people in football love the military. Because think about it. Like, as a Navy SEAL, as a Marine, like, you train for war, but war is a lot different than boot camp or, you know, training to become a Navy SEAL. 
It's why they push you so hard. So when you get in those situations that are impossible to replicate, because there's no life or death, you know, in the training, ideally. Obviously, it happens every once in a while, but you know what I mean. But when you get in that situation, are you the most prepared to make split-second decisions when the pressure's on? And obviously, in those situations, it's cost people their lives. In football, it just costs people a career or a job. And the one thing the Ravens, like the 49ers have, clearly a lot of talent, a lot of high-end guys. Lamar, Kyle Hamilton, Zay Flowers, Mark Andrews, Ronnie Stanley, uh, Roquan Smith. We know all the Niners guys. But those guys, how seriously they take football, there ain't no fucking around. The way he described Jim Harbaugh or John Harbaugh to me, he's like, it's like we're on an island and we only have each other. And the only way we're getting off this island is if we all stick together. If any of us crack, we're done. It's over. And I was thinking about this, like, I've been in office situations outside of football. Everyone's kind of out for themselves. Like, let's face it. Most people, if you're listening to this right now and you work in an office, you work at a company, like, you're kind of working together, but you're most focused on, like, how do I make the most money? That's just the reality of the world we live in. In football, it's also easy to be like that. Right? How can I make a play? How can I benefit my career? How can I get to a point where you know, these plays get me more money, which is always going to play a factor, but it's the ultimate team game. So if everyone is not together and pulling in the right direction, I don't care how much talent you have, you're not going to get over the hump. For a long time, the Cowboys have always battled that. I think the Eagles right now got some issues with that. When you look at the Ravens and the Niners, they have a ton of guys where it's unquestioned football comes first. Kyle Shanahan said like last week, that he got a cocktail last year a week after the season ended to the, to the Eagles. And he, he, he met Christian McCaffrey for a couple cocktails. And Christian had two cocktails. And he said, I only got another week until the Max is won. He's a 27-year-old guy who, once the season ends, gives himself two weeks to just relax, have drinks or whatever, and then it stops. And it's all football. We're talking in fucking March for today. The way Roquan Smith was described to me is like what he means to that team, how serious he is, how, how he holds everyone accountable. Here's the other thing. In a sport now, where, and I think the amount of assistant coach frauds in the NFL has never been higher. You get $500,000 to be a running back coach. You get nine hundred grand minimum to be an O-line coach. You get seven figures to be an offensive coordinator. So the moment money gets that enormous, you're going to get more people that don't belong that want a piece of that pie. And let's face it, football's always been a little unique. If you're friends with a head coach, a lot of guys have jobs they don't, shouldn't have. And it's why I, I've been lucky enough to have been to a lot of NFL practices, and it's pretty clear. And the teams that are on guys' asses and push them, no different than you would in high school football. No different than Nick Saban does or Kirby Smart does at Alabama. Hold them to a really high standard. Being pushed and being coached is uncomfortable. Right? It's like your boss sometimes, you're going to have some uncomfortable conversations. And one thing, the 49ers, when they win, they, they don't get Monday and Tuesday off. See you, see you Wednesday. No matter what, they meet as a team on Monday. Because Kyle believes the easiest way to teach off that tape is when it's fresh. And they come in. Now, I'm not saying they do much on Monday, but they watch the tape. They have to come in on Monday. They, they don't get two days off, like a lot of teams. And clearly, John Harbaugh, has run an operation from a physical standpoint and a mentality standpoint. And they used to get in trouble for like tackling in OTAs. 
And let's face it, a lot of people in the NFL are a little soft. Because, listen, they're probably afraid to push guys. Guys make a lot more money than them now. The moment a player turns on you, look at the Raiders. Now, I'm not even saying the Raiders were wrong. They go to the owner. They get you fired. It's tough. In college football, you got to worry about your players transferring nonstop. And I, I think this. The 49ers and the Ravens obviously have really good players. And they have a really good coaching staff. But they got a bunch of guys at the highest level that want to be pushed and want to be pushed hard. Hard. Screamed at. Yelled at. Every day pushed to be the best possible player. So it's not shocking to see both these two teams easily be the number one seed. And to me, the clear favorite. The only sleeping giant, to me, would be the Bills. Who, listen, remember Sean McDermott got crushed for like being too big of a hard ass. I'm sorry, this is football, not peewees. Like, it kind of matters. You get yelled at a lot. People swear a lot. I, I haven't watched any of the hard knocks with Mike McDaniel, but like, he's saying the F word every other word. Like, that's football culture. <laughs> this isn't like an insurance company's office setting. So, football's uncomfortable. And the more uncomfortable you're willing to be, once you get the talent, you got to build the team correctly, the better chance you have to win big. The, the Patriots didn't win for 20-plus years just because they had Tom Brady, right? It's because they pushed everyone harder than everyone else with a coach that really knew what he was doing. I remember hearing Julian Edelman say a couple years ago, that, I mean, they always had the bye. I mean, back then it was, you know, the one and the two seed both got the week off. He said, we would full-team scrimmage for like two days just to set the tone for this next month. We're coming for everyone's ass. This isn't like, oh, let's just do some walkthroughs. Let's take some mental reps. And like that's a big reason I think in general football has the, the product, you could argue, is a little worse just because no one practices hard anymore. And part of that is the rules. You're not allowed to wear pads. There's no double days in training camp. But I think the two teams with the best players that push the envelope the most, not shocking, they're the best two teams. Talking about a guy that pushes the envelope. I saw J.J. McCarthy say everyone steals signs. Obviously, Harbaugh, Connor Stallions, who I think was at the Rose Bowl. Chase Winovich, the long-haired pass rusher who played for the Patriots for a little bit. Took a picture, I think he was watching the game with my man Stallions. He never leave a man down, so his military background, he probably wanted to be there to support. But regardless of the sign-stealing thing, and listen, they haven't been able to seal Steins for a while, and they've been winning. Hell, they were winning with Jim Harbaugh. I still think it's one record that will never be broken. A team will never play in the national championship when their head coach has been suspended twice in the same year at two separate times. Like that's, that's, a, that's a record that is never getting shattered. Wilt Chamberlain, someone in the NBA could score 100 points. If you tell me a dude just gets hot, hits like 28 threes in, a, in an NBA game, who knows? Like it, It's there, right? I would say probably unlikely someone ever breaks, uh, hits 75 home runs, but the way guys just swing for the fences, who knows? No one is ever playing for a national championship and getting suspended twice in the same season as a head coach. But my take on Jim Harbaugh, because there's a lot floating out, you know, Adam Schefter talking about it. He signs with Don Yee, who's Brady's longtime agent, Jimmy Garoppolo's guy. I hope he stays in college. I want him at Michigan. I think he means more to college, the fabric of it, the entertainment value. Like, college is the number two sport in America right now. The NFL's here, college is here, and everyone else is fighting for the scraps, right? And I, I think you need, the NFL has a ton of characters. The NFL's fine. We've proven it, right? You lost Brady, you lost Manning, Rodgers played four plays, didn't matter, historic ratings, everyone's watching. Whether you got Bill Parcells or Nick Sirianni, it does not matter. 
Mike McCarthy or Jimmy Jackson, no one cares anymore. It's the product. It's what we gamble on. It's what we all agree that we consume. College football, to me, is a little predicated on the big programs, being right, and the talent. Forever college basketball, when I was young, was a major, major sport in America in terms of ratings, in terms of interest. All their coaches were really famous. Like, college basketball was better with Coach K, which Tom Izzo, Jim Beheim, all those guys staying in college football. Now, just because I think he should stay, I don't know if he will. Like, I think Jim Harbaugh, the clip, <laughs> I believe this, Jim Harbaugh's parents, Jack and Jackie, if, if you haven't seen the clip, just Google it. They're on the field. His mother was stunned that they won. I mean, stunned that they won, which was just funny. Obviously, Jack is like a 25-year-old version. I think Jim's 60. I, I'd guess Jack's 85, early, mid-80s. And he's like Jim Harbaugh right now. Lives. Colin said this. I think they're next-door neighbors. Imagine Jim build him a house. And family means a lot to the Harbaugh's, which I always get emotional having lost my dad, seeing that type stuff. Like, that's, that's powerful. That, that's really cool. I don't, I don't think we talk enough about that in society, like the power of the, you know, the family and the loyalty of the Harbaugh family. Like, that's, I, I get emotionally moved when I see stuff like that. But, you know, Jim's not like, Nick Saban's a college coach. That, that's truly who he is at his, Kirby Smart. These guys are college coaches. Jim Harbaugh played quarterback in the NFL for 15 years, right? So when you see some of these guys like Frank Reich or Doug Peterson or Jason Garrett forever, like he's used to not only being in the NFL, but being the guy in the huddle that the other 10 fucking guys look at in the pros where everyone was getting paid. Now I get it in college, people get paid, but clearly there's an itch deep down with Jim Harbaugh. Here's the other thing. In the NFL, from you know whenever training camp starts to whenever the season ends, whether it's the last week of the season or through the playoffs, it's all football all the time. It's just football, 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 and football. In college, it's not just football. You got to worry about your guys going to class. You got to worry about your guys staying eligible. Now you got to worry about NIL. Every guy on your team is a free agent. Think about that. When you start the season, Every single guy on your roster is a free agent. So you not are only recruiting high school kids and have to worry about this transfer portal that you have no clue. Like in the NFL, when I worked in the office for two years and I was a pro scout, you knew who all the impending free agents were. You knew who all the impending restricted free agents are. You could even tell based on contracts, guys likely to be cut after the season. Right, like Russell Wilson's a good example. He would have been a guy that every team interested in a quarterback would have been evaluating this year because you go, well, this guy could become available if they cut him at the end of the season. And he's a high-level example, but there are guys like that all over the NFL. So you have a 95% idea of everyone who's going to be available in you know February, right? From free agents to restricted free agents and guys getting cut because of contracts. And then obviously things change a little bit as coaches get fired. New coaches go to teams and they don't want a guy and maybe a guy becomes available for trade that you didn't know was available for trade. Like, that, that happens. In college, you have no fucking clue. You're just keeping an eye on everything. It's way harder in terms of 365 days. Those six months in the NFL are very intense. Long days, all scheming, practice, just nonstop football. But once the offseason starts, let's say you're your first round team and out. You might get two weeks off from your head coach. 
then you kind of loosely maybe go to the Senior Bowl. It's not like you've even watched any of these guys. A lot of guys, you know, coaches now don't even send their assistants to the Senior Bowl. So you just start doing self-scouting, which nine to five type days. The combine, you don't really play a role. Again, a lot of teams no longer even send you to the combine. And then the draft process is pretty light for the coaches. A little evaluating, but it's a lot, it becomes a lot more nine to five. And there is no such thing as nine to five in college. 365, not just during the season, immediately when the season ends, then spring ball, spring recruiting, the offseason, you got camps. It never ends. So just in terms of time, if you have a family, which, listen, football guys like spending time around football. So whether it's a little extra time, I don't know if it totally you know, bothers them. But in the NFL, you know, like we have this much cap space, we have these many draft picks. In college, it's so fluid and so unknown that it, it can't be that fun. It's why all these coaches, listen, a lot of coaches, like most of these guys, if you're making six, seven, eight, nine, ten million dollars, even if they're complaining, they understand it's an incredible job to make money, right? Jim Harbaugh was rich when he got hired at Michigan. J- Jim Harbaugh had made millions before he even got to the 49ers. And, and that was, you know, 10 years ago. Whoever, Jim Harbaugh, whether Michigan gives him $120 million, whether an NFL, it's, it's not about the money. It's just about his lifestyle now and what he wants. So if he doesn't like the setup currently, uh, and he's already said, like, the players should get a cut of the revenue. Well, guess what happens in the NFL? They revenue share. The reason it's basically 50-50 is because the players, the salary cap is based on the league's revenue. So you don't have to deal with any of this unknown, this uncertainty, things that you can't control. Now, you could argue that at Alabama, Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State, you're less likely to lose a lot of guys because you can financially afford to keep them. And, you know, it's obviously an incredible place to play, but it's also for younger players, harder to crack the lineup. So if you get there as a freshman, you might look up and you go, God, it might be two years before I even get on the field even though that guy within two years could be a really good player for you. It's much easier if you're that guy to go to a lesser program, to go to Nebraska or wherever, and just immediately be the starter. So just that element alone has made the sport much more challenging. So Jim Harbaugh's wiring, listen, he's he's out there. He's a different cat. I can't even pretend to, no one can, to think like he thinks. But I just think if you thought logically, what industry would you rather work in? The one where you can control a lot of it or the one where, yeah, it's technically easier because you're going to have, quote unquote, easier games, right? You, you could argue, depending on the schedule, four to seven games, Michigan is an enormous favorite. And if they just play solid, they're winning easily. And then another four or five games where it's definitely the talent gap's a little smaller, especially now that they've added the Pac-12 teams. And he's got to be pretty locked in. In the NFL, every game's hard. So it's like, wait, we're all kind of on an even playing field. We all have the same, we, everyone has the same salary cap space and draft capital. You just choose how you want to use it. The, the, the Broncos chose to trade for Russell Wilson and pay him all that money. But they have no different in the draft capital than the Houston Texans or the Cleveland Browns. You just get to, well, why do the Cleveland Browns not have picks? They chose to use the capital on Deshaun Watson. You, you just get, not everyone has the same capital. Now, in college, he's at a team with a lot of money, but maybe he's bored. Maybe it's like, I'm just playing now for the playoffs. Now, you could argue for his resume, if he loses and leaves and then they get popped, it's not great. That's probably true. But 
I think it's pretty clear that win or lose Monday, and as a guy with a pretty large ticket on Washington, I hope they lose, it does feel like he's going to go to the pros. One guy, I, I thought about this for a while, that Eagles loss, I don't even know if I've really talked about it. I, I think it's one of the worst losses in years. I, I still can't get over it. It's one thing to lose. They got their ass kicked in that game. Listen, Nick Sirianni, even if they were to lose to the Giants and then lose in the first round, I don't. he's not going to get fired. But I wonder if the Philadelphia Eagles think they got a little problem on their hands. Because one thing, listen, he's, he has no impact on the defense. That's on the organization. Hire the right defensive coordinator. They wanted Fangio. The Gannon situation, you could argue they got screwed a little bit. They were on the right guy. It just broke the wrong way. But offensively, like, the A.J. Brown made some comments after the game, kind of walked them back, said, listen, I'm all for, the, I'm pro the coach, I'm pro Brian Johnston. It's getting a little weird in Philly, which can't. The moment you start losing with high expectations with the Eagles, shit can get out of whack quick. Well, I was thinking about, like, if Emerald Lagasse or Gordon Ramsay had a restaurant, you would never be like, well, we, we got to change the menu. We need to bring in a new chef. No, that guy's the fucking chef. No one ever goes like, listen, the Chiefs offense is completely broken. They're screwed. New offensive coordinator. No, it's like, we'll just get better players. We got Andy. We'll be okay. Right? Anytime things are off in San Francisco or the Rams, you go, well, Kyle McVay, ultimately they'll figure it out. They're the play caller. But we go, well, they got some offensive issues, big picture. How do we get Jalen back on track? We need a new offensive coordinator. What the fuck's the coach doing? Nick Sirianni is an offensive guy. And I hear nonstop talk about the offensive coordinator. I know in like 49er land, if we were just talking nonstop talk about the offensive coordinator and your head coach was Kyle Shanahan, be like, why don't you call the plays? Why don't you do that? Well, we saw Sirianni do that a couple years ago. Utter disaster. So it's like, okay, so who are you? You're basically an offensive version of John Harbaugh, right? Well, say this about John Harbaugh. When they had some quarterback issues, their team was always tough and physical, right? John Harbaugh and the Harbaugh family, tough physical guys. Same thing with Tomlin, right? They might have some offensive issues, but you know their defense is going to have some guys. You know they're going to make plays. Obviously, their defense is in shambles. So is Sirianni like some tough guy? I just wonder if this thing implodes. Now, they should beat Tampa in the first round of the playoffs, assuming Tampa beats the Panthers. What if they don't? What if they don't? How could you feel good big picture about Nick Sirianni? Because what's his next pitch, right? What is his next move? Fire Brian Johnson, hire some other offensive coordinator? So, so we're just acknowledging he's just pure CEO head coach. He has nothing to do with anything beside motivation and leadership. Seems pretty risky. It's one thing when you got a 65-year-old guy doing that. It's another thing when you got a guy in his early 40s doing that, who's supposed to be an offensive guy. That, that would make me a little nervous. So. I, I think the Eagles have serious problems. <laughs> serious problems. That loss, I, I don't know if you shake that Arizona loss. I, I, I just don't think you do. And I, I definitely think it's on the table that they could be a one-and-done situation. Now, it, it would still be obviously an upset if Tampa were to beat them, but h- how could you trust this team right now? H- how could you trust them at all? I mean, their defense is in shambles and their offense just doesn't click. It simply just doesn't click. And their head coach is an offensive guy. Last but not least, this is a big week. Like when you see the headline, Carson Wentz against Sam Darnold. A lot of people are like, huh, not watching that thing. And listen, I, I don't blame you. <laughs> Game doesn't mean anything. The Rams waving the white flag, just going to the playoffs. And the 49ers have nothing to play for, right? See, the Ravens, Lamar, Tyler Huntley. This is a big time moment. Like when you're a scout, 
you evaluate backups a lot of time off preseason film if all they do is like play special teams, right? In a lot of positions over the course of a year, like if you're the fourth wide receiver, there's eventually going to be an injury and you'll get a couple starts. Or if you're the last linebacker, by the time the season ends, you'll have got so many defensive plays. Well, if you're the backup quarterback, there's a chance you never take a snap during the season. Not one. So when I evaluate a guy, like, well, what's the grade on him heading into the offseason if he's a free agent? Well, it's just based on the preseason and based on the grade we had on him before wherever he signed with that team, right? It's all based on the previous, well, what if he got better? So when I see that Carson Wentz and Sam Darnold are playing each other, let's start with Carson Wentz. This was a guy that no one in the league would touch till a month ago. And not like Joe Flacco, where everyone just thought he was old and not good. Like, that was just 38-year-old guy, it happens. Carson Wentz, like, <laughs> dude's like, how old's Carson Wentz? 30 years old? Wasn't that long ago? He was in the mix to win an MVP in like 2017. He's out of the former number two overall pick, just out of the league. No one will touch him. Toxic. Then he goes to the Rams. Now he's got a chance to get a game. Well, if he throws three touchdowns, Baker Mayfield last year, in like four starts for the Rams, threw four touchdowns and threw 64%, and got an opportunity, $4 million, to become a starter and became a starter this year and probably going to make the playoffs. Now, I, I think a lot of people putting out some numbers on Baker Mayfield. To me, he's like, Tampa rolls it back, maybe one year, $10 million, one year, $12 million. But still, this looked like a guy who was trending to be like out of the league. All of a sudden, $4 million, makes another $11 million. Starter, starter, like kind of resurrected his career. Carson Wentz, well, what if Sean McVay comes out and goes, listen, we've loved having him around. He's been a really good teammate. Other guys on the team are like, we like the guy. And then he goes out and he looks solid. We've seen the quarterback. I mean, they're rolling out Jaron Hall. The Raiders are playing Aiden O'Connell. You're telling me if this guy looks like just a capable player again, that he can't immediately resurrect his career? Game film always trumps everything else. And sometimes you got to be humbled. Clearly Carson was. And he's got to play well now. I mean, you throw three or four picks, not good. But even if you're playing, you know, an average Niner defense, given if they rest, you know, Bosa and Fred and some of these guys, it's still game tape that, you know, a lot of guys don't get the opportunity at quarterback. This year is a little different. I think like 60 plus guys have started at that position. But for the most part, there are a lot of teams on a given season where their backup quarterback may take under 20 snaps. Maybe a rolled ankle here. He comes in for a couple snaps, comes back out, maybe a couple kneel downs, but, but not much. So I, I think Carson Wentz has, of all the players this Sunday with something on the line, I guess there are a couple games Saturday too, has a lot to earn. Can really, with a good performance, kind of open some eyes. Now, Sam Darnold, I would imagine the 49ers are going to want him back, you know, on a similar contract, especially because they're not Penny Purdy that much. But he could be a guy, like, you go play for McVay or Shanahan, and I go, God, maybe he looks better. Maybe that year of coaching under that guy has really helped him out. And maybe he gets an opportunity, like Baker just got, hey, we'll give you six, $7 million, try to be our bridge quarterback, if that's something he's interested in doing. I know one thing he's talked about is he values you know, being on the West Coast and stuff, but it gets hard in the NFL. I remember Jeremy Fowler, who covers the NFL, I think a couple weeks ago when the Russell Wilson thing went down, he's like, agents are saying it's going to be hard for the Broncos to land free agents. That's the dumbest fucking thing I've ever heard. If the Broncos offer more money, they will get whoever is the guy they want if the other team is offering less. Nobody cares. This notion that the league looks weird about Russell Wilson, how many friends in the NFL does Russell Wilson have? It's not like they're treating 
some guy that's beloved in the NFL. Yeah, if he had done that to like Aaron Donald or Fred Warner or some like player that a lot of people, Trent Williams, some people that people like Lane Johnson, Jason Travis Kelsey. Yeah, okay, maybe some people, red flags would go up. No one cares how Russell Wilson was treated. He was paid a premium to underachieve. That's a fact, Jack. So this notion that like, that was, that that pissed me off, to be honest with you. But I I don't want to even talk about that situation because it bores me at this point. But ultimately, I'm very fascinated to watch Carson Wentz this weekend. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just a job board. They help you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Did you know 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites? LinkedIn's the only one I use. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. LinkedIn is constantly finding ways to make the process easier. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process even easier and quicker. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N. That's linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. eBay Motors is here for the ride. You know what I remember about my first car? Is that the moment I got it, I wanted to improve it. Because like most 16-year-old kids, you don't exactly get a luxury automobile. So you look at it, you go, well, I need to add some speakers. I need to tint out the windows. I need to make this thing the coolest car possible so I can cruise around town with all my buddies, waving at the babes, and enjoy myself. So my favorite part of car culture when I was young was definitely the subwoofers in the back of the car. And uh, we built the boxes from scratch, had multiple 12-inch subs, and you could hear me coming from a long, long way away. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, It's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Okay, you guys know the drill. Let's go a little Middlecoff mailbag. At John Middlecoff, two Fs, my last name, John Middlecoff. Fire in those DMs and get your questions answered here on the podcast. See if I can find my Instagram. There it is. We'll start here. For the mailbag, you have mentioned previously that if Harbaugh was to leave for the NFL, 
one of the top targets would be DeBoer. Do you think that now that they are meeting in the national championship and Washington is joining the Big Ten, that would still be a possibility, especially if Washington beats Michigan? What Kalen DeBoer has done at Washington is remarkable. He's clearly really good. It is easier to consistently win at Michigan than it is at Washington. Now, when you're a really good coach, no matter where you go, you're going to have success. So if he stayed at Washington, they would be good. But I think on a consistent basis, Michigan is a much better job than Washington. And Washington's a damn good job. Michigan's the top five job in the country. right? I mean, Michigan's the cream of the crop as you're seeing what Harbaugh's doing. Right there with Ohio State, which is easily one of the best jobs in the country. LSU, Georgia, Bama. It's, it's a small list. You know, you could argue Oregon's really become that because of Phil Knight's backing. But I, I think the question would be if Harbaugh leaves, if they lose, if DuBoer were to beat him and Harbaugh leaves, let's say to the Raiders or the Chargers or the Commanders or wherever, I, I got no clue where he's going to go. I, I would guess the Raiders or Chargers. Because he's been a West Coast guy, but now he's been in Ann Arbor for whatever, since 2014, so who knows. Would be, I, I do wonder if Sharon Moore, the offensive coordinator, would take over. Pretty risky, though. And I know he won some games, but I, 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 that, to me, feels a little bit like a stretch. Uh, I think the likelihood that DeBoer would be their first call, and then Ryan Grubb, the offensive coordinator, would probably take over Washington, would be my guess. But it is possible, I guess, they could give it to Moore. They also could call Mike McDonald, who's now the Ravens offensive co- or defensive coordinator who was at Michigan, but he was only there one year. I, I think if DeBoer beats him, if DeBoer beats Michigan and then Harbaugh bounces, how does Michigan not offer him the job? Now, I don't know. Listen, DeBoer's from the Dakotas. You know, he's not some elitist. This isn't Steve Sarkeesian who was born on third base, started coaching at USC at 26 years old, right? I mean, this guy beat the bushes in the shitty programs. Nobody was paying attention. Coached a bunch of guys who are probably laying sheetrock and, uh, you know, running delis right now or cutting trees, whatever you do in the Dakotas, right? So he, this guy came up the hard way. I'd hire DeBoer in a heartbeat. Are you going to give out golf bets? On your Go Low podcast, once the season gets underway, <laughs> does it bear shit in the woods? I mean, come on. I, I was looking at the board for the century. For those of you that don't follow golf, obviously the PGA Tour and Live are still kind of going at it. There's a golf tournament this week. It's called the, the Tournament of Champions. So everyone that won last season is playing no cut event in Kapalua. I, I've never played there. My brother has. It's pretty awesome. True and property. The problem is there's no cut event. I, it's, it's hard to bet on. I'm, I'm not messing with this week. I, I might dabble next week, depending on what happens. Now, the only guy missing this week is obviously John Rahm, who won last year. Not there. But I, I'm not going to wager on, on this tournament. If I was, the gala 50 to 1. I, I'm not going to lie. I checked the board. But it, it's hard. You know, I'm Scotty Scheffler. Just, I can see Justin Thomas having a big year. Kendall from Atlanta. If you ask me, Dan Campbell and the Lions were screwed. And I believe this all began with the player eligibility. The NFL recently put out a statement saying that players 50 to 79 must declare eligibility. Same old, same old. But the NFL has done away with number eligibility. We have D-linemen wearing single-digit numbers. 
To me, the craziest number this year, by a mile, is Clowney wearing 24. Whenever I see Clowney 24, I'm like, this is, this is weird. Not going to sound like get off my lawn, old guy. Don't really like it. He's had an awesome season. I, I'd rather have him wearing single digits or in the 90s, 24. Don't love, but listen, to each his own. Should the Lions give all the linemen numbers in the 40s? That way, no one has to declare. Again, I'm no rules expert. Not everyone can be eligible, right? You, you have to have five people on the line of scrimmage that block, that aren't eligible. You can have six people eligible. One, including, you know, is always the quarterback. So you usually have five players, whether that's running backs, tight ends, wide receivers. I, I think there's a DM I, I was kind of scrolling through that asked me, why don't you have a guy eligible every single play? You know, an offensive lineman? Why would you want your offensive linemen? They're way easier to cover. <laughs> they, they don't move as well. Even if you get like Lane Johnson or Jason Kelsey in his prime, it's like they don't move as well as wide receivers and tight ends. So it's, I, I think we're overthinking this a little bit. We're overthinking it. Ref screwed up. Lions got a little over aggressive, had multiple guys sticking up their hands, even though that's allowed. Listen, screw up. Referees constantly, nothing new. But I, I just listen. I don't think it's as complicated as we're making it. I've been wanting to write into the mailbag for a while, but I had a conversation I wanted your opinion on. Been a longtime Penn State fan. And just today, we got Julian Fleming in the transfer portal. A coworker of mine went ballistic about how he thinks a guy who went to Ohio State should not be welcome, and that if he wasn't good enough there, he should lay in his grave. Quote, I'm, I think he means stay there, right? <laughs> I'm on the belief that anything that could potentially elevate this team, especially in offense, is never a bad thing. What are your thoughts? Keep up the amazing work. We live in different times, right? In the history of the sport, pre-NIL and the transfer rule where you don't have to sit out, I would say most transfers, because when I got to Fresno State, we had a couple guys that were like Oregon transfers. They turned out to not be very good players, but... When you get a chance to get a bounce back at a smaller school, it's a, you kind of take them, right? Because you never could have recruited the guy out of high school. It turns out like they didn't play there for a reason. They couldn't play for you. They weren't any good. Now it's a lot different, right? You get Jordan Addison's. You get, you get high-end players, non-quarterbacks transferring all the time. I do understand the older players going, like, if I went to a school, especially a good school, right? Let's pick the top 20 schools. Like, if you go to Oregon, you go to Washington, you go to USC, you go to Penn State, I know they're not winning any real games, but they're, they're a real program. Ohio State, Michigan, Bama, Georgia, LSU, right? Texas, Oklahoma. And then I transfer to a direct rival. Little weird. Because you're taught at those programs, like, if you go to LSU, you're taught to fucking hate Florida and hate Alabama, right? Then, well, what if I transfer to Alabama? Now, I understand once you get money, it kind of shows you we're just kind of numb to everything, which I do think, the big picture, like one problem, like, listen, I, I can talk about problems in the NBA as much as anyone, not named Ethan Sherwood Strauss. The NBA, when I was a kid, when it was humming, Michael Jordan, you know, carrying the league, making it as big as the NFL, everyone hated each other, right? Even though Michael would like play golf with Charles Barkley during the finals, it turns out he was playing mental warfare because he tried to kill him on the court, and he ultimately did. But, like, the same guys stayed at the same places forever, and they developed rivalries. You knew Gary Payton and Sean Kemp and Reggie Miller and his crew 
and Scotty and Michael and Patrick Ewing, and you just had the same guys on the team forever. In college football, historically, the same guys on the team until they graduated or went pro. Now, you know, you have, like, I play at USC. It's like, oh, shit, I'll go to Oregon. <laughs> I was like, it's a little weird, right? Like, it'd be really weird to go Michigan, Ohio State, or Alabama to Georgia, but it's going to happen. It's inevitable. Now you can say money talks, shit walks, and it's true for Texas and Oklahoma. But it, I wouldn't say it's diluted the product. But if, if you're the other team and you think the guy's an upgrade, what are you going to do? Say no? I, I understand the, the coaches wanting him. Like, I... I do think from a player standpoint, it'd be a little weird, but maybe I'm just kind of old. Maybe you're just numb to everything because we do it in industries all the time. Jump around, competition. It's all about money. It's all about having success. So maybe it's not that crazy. I I don't know the specific player. I'm not super locked into every college roster. But if you're Penn State and you can get one of Ohio State's good players, what are you going to do? Say no? I it's just bizarre. I, I, I get we're older players. I heard T-Bob on snaps talking about this. Like, we were bred to hate certain teams, despise them, right? So if you transfer into our program, I'm supposed to like you? It's kind of weird. But it's 2024, different times. I enjoy your insights on the NFL. That being said, I have to question why you think the Bills are scary, but you can't trust the Chiefs. If you're giving the Bills a chance because of their quarterback, how does that not apply to Mahomes? When I say scary, it's because I've seen their high end this season a couple weeks ago against Dallas, and that was better than the Chiefs' high end. Like, the Chiefs offensively have just kind of sucked this year, and they have an, elite, an all-time great offensive coach. They have an all-time great quarterback. I, I was watching last week MVS twice on a crossing route that he would have walked in the end zone. It went right off his belly, hit the ground. It's like... The, I, I, whenever I read on social media, like, why do they keep playing him? They don't have anyone else. I mean, they, they're not doing this because they don't have a choice. I, I just think this year they're snake bit. It just feels a little bit like they're snake bit. It, it does, the Chiefs. They won the division easily. They're down as 10 wins in a playoff victory. Do you know how many teams in the league would line up? That's your shitty season? If I was a betting man right now, Chiefs are win a playoff game. I think the Bills beat the Dolphins. Then the Chiefs beat the Dolphins in the first round. And then depending on the matchup, I, I do think I don't think the Chiefs would be a lock not to win another game. But I, I would say this year does feel like more than likely they'd be out in round two. Could they easily win two playoff games? Hell yeah. Elite coach, elite quarterback, feisty defense. But their receivers can't catch. I mean, Valdez Scantling. That drop he had on Sunday, the guy would have walked into the end zone. It, listen, it's football. Guys drop balls. Every time you watch the Chiefs, he's, the ball's on the ground. They lead the league in drops. And it's not because they don't have good offensive coaching. They have elite offensive coaching. They have elite offensive scheme. They have an elite quarterback. Their offensive line, personnel-wise, has kind of struggled this year, too. Is there something stopping a lineman from reporting every play? I, I just think this gets back to, we're kind of overthinking it because it's the topic of the moment. You, you don't want, one, some of the best players on the other team are consistently their defensive linemen. So you're going to want your best offensive lineman blocking. So more often than not, the Lions are going to want Decker to block your pass rushers, right? And two, he's not getting open consistently, right? The reason you do the trickeration, you did this back in the day with J.J. Watt, you do it now with some tackle eligibles, is because it's a trickeration. If you constantly do it, like 
I can run pass plays all day long with Tyreek or Devontae Adams or my, t- you know, uh, David Njoku because they can get open. Part of it's getting open. And uh, most offensive linemen can't get open without, you know, deception, right? And that's why the tackle eligible play is about deception. It's not because these guys are good at getting open. You're good at what you practice, right? What do offensive line practice? Blocking. I've heard other pundits say it doesn't make sense for the NFL refs to be full-time because they only need them to work one day a week. My question is, why couldn't get them do training three or four days a week? Going over game tape, reviewing the rule book, or even playing dodgeball so they are agile enough not to trip over Lamar Jackson. I would imagine a lot of these guys work throughout the week. Spend time studying their craft. Maybe I'm naive, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they don't do shit. But I would guess you don't just memorize you know, the, the rule book. You're constantly going over that. You're constantly doing some stuff throughout the week. Kind of like a side job. I would imagine some people listening have a normal W-2 job and have a side hustle. And you spend time on the side, however many hours, 5, 10, 20 hours on the side doing stuff. I would imagine, now this is, you know, it feels different than a side hustle. I just don't know, like, all day game tape. Like, you're just, they're just not going to do that. I, I think a lot of this stuff sounds good in theory. It's like academia. A lot of stuff you go into a classroom makes perfect sense. You're in econ 101 or accounting. You're like, oh, that makes perfect sense. And then you get in the real world. You're like, yeah, that ain't going to work. So it made a little more sense on the whiteboard. It happens in football too. You draw a play up on the whiteboard, then you get out and it's like, well, that made a lot more sense till fucking Roquan Smith was running at me. <laughs> you know, that made a lot more sense till my right tackle whiffed and TJ Watt was in my ear hole. So I doing game tape, practicing the rules. Like I, I think they're doing that. I, I just think it's one of those jobs that you could invest more. I, I don't think the ROI changes much. I, I truly believe that. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. I, I, I don't think making them full time. What would they do all week? What would they do all week? I just don't know what they would do all week. They would justify, because one, some of these guys probably making three, four, five hundred grand off the field. You're going to pay them a million dollars. Is the ROI, does anything change? I think a lot of people think that it would just be seamless. No chance. We're dealing with human beings. Some of the best athletes in the world going rapid speed. They're going to be screw-ups. I've said it forever. As a fan, you hate it when the refs screw up. Your coaches hate it when the players hate it when the refs screw up. Me, as someone, if I'm betting on the game or rooting for a team or against, I, it pisses me off. The league office does not care. They, they do not care. Money is flowing. Ratings are up. They're not changing. And the, the owners ultimately ain't going to pay more. Do you think the NFL will ever address the half-the-distance penalty? At the end of the Lions-Cowboys game, they were on the two. And then they were penalized five yards back to the seven. Then the Cowboys were penalized five yards, but the Lions were only given half the distance. So only back to the three and a half. Seems if you commit a five-yard penalty and your opponents immediately commits a five-yard penalty, the ball should go back to the two. That's a very interesting question. I don't quite understand. Now, I'm sure the logic in the uh, competition committee and when all the coaches and you know, the GMs and the officials are in there. I, I makes sense to me. You get the penalty for screwing up, even though they technically didn't screw up, the refs did, but they might have because he might not have been covered, but we're not going to keep getting into that. 
if you go to the seven, well, then you commit a penalty. And, you know, because it's not 10 yards, we don't get an even amount. I only get to go half the distance. I, I'm with you. It should go right back to the two. Even Lions fans have to admit, going for the two at the seven, little nuts. Little crazy. Kind of stupid. Broncos fan, we're going to draft a quarterback this year. I absolutely fell in love with Penix this year, especially in the Texas game. But his injury history scares me. I can't help but think Bo Nix is a better pick, especially for Payton's system. What's your thoughts? I think Michael Penix would be really good in Chad Payton's system. He gets rid of the ball fast, he processes quick, and he's very accurate. So even if it's Dinkin and Duncan or short passes, like he's good at that. And he adds a vertical element. I think the Bo Nix thing gets back to the Oregon thing that quarterbacks make me nervous. I'll never forget Mariota, who's, you know, you could argue one of the best players in the history of the program. I thought he was kind of overrated. Wasn't very accurate. You know, if you watched him play, he missed some passes. And physically, like, unlike Herbert, he wasn't as thick, didn't have as big of an arm. And that offense, guys are just wide open more often than not because they're just, they're just a well-coached, Offensive machine, and they have been for a long time. You know, with, with this staff and obviously previous staffs with Chip Kelly and even early on in the Helfrich years. But I, the Bo Nix thing would scare me a little bit. To me, Penix is dramatically a better prospect. But I do think Nix would have some similarities with what I think he always wanted when it came to Taysom Hill. Nick's a better passer. Taysom's bigger. Now, Taysom's, you know, 40 years old at this point. But, I mean, legitimately, I think Taysom's like 34 years old. I, I could see Bo Nix. I could see Sean Payton like Bo Nix. I think Bo Nix is an interesting guy. I think the Oregon offense, a little bit like the Ohio State offense, makes people nervous. What do you think about the Patriots keeping both Bills, keeping both Bills and drafting Michael Penix at number three, whether they end up uh, wherever they end up? I honestly believe that if Penix was on the Patriots this year, they could have won nine to ten games. Hell, they would have swept the Bills this past week. I have Penix as my number one player in this coming draft, but totally get Caleb being the number one because he's a better prospect, and Penix has the injury history. But from watching Penix, I think he's going to be next year's Stroud Burrow luck. Well, I, I would say Stroud would be different than Burrow or Luck because Burrow and Luck were viewed as lock number one picks and then went in and immediately were sweet. Stroud, while he went number two, I think there were a lot of question marks on him. I don't think there were any question marks with Burrow or Luck. I think when the dust settles, how does Penix not go number top five overall? Like I said, I I think he easily could go two. Maybe, listen, the draft is about, you know, traits as much as it is what you do on the field, which is crazy, but someone's going to fall in love with this guy. He's going to get drafted really high. The only thing to me that could really derail teams from his scent would be if medical is like, he has a degenerate knee, which happens sometimes. It happens to running backs who have had knee injuries. They go to the combine, they go to the medical check, and it sets off red flag alarms. And if there are buzz or word that we don't know if his knee will hold up for a second contract, that, that could derail the situation. Now, as we've seen, like doctors aren't always right. Like They, they said Drew Brees was never going to be the same. That's why the Miami Dolphins didn't sign him. I'd say that turned out pretty well. Now, 15, 20 years later, Drew, I saw Drew Brees his shoulder doesn't even work now. He can't even throw his kids. So they just they were just off on the timeline. <laughs> hey, didn't Harbaugh lose an NFC Championship game in the rain having a rookie catch and fumble punts? 
Didn't he almost blow the game having a fucking freshman fumble a punt on the three? The dude deserves to get a 35-3 to beatdown in the finals. Well, I think if you go back to Kyle Williams, who was the returner against the New York Giants in uh, Eli's second Super Bowl, the Niners' offensive weaponry was not great. They did not. It wasn't exactly like uh, Debo, Ayuk, you know, in company. Their wide receivers sucked. So he was out there, I would say, more on necessity than him just throwing back a rookie. It was also pouring rain. Listen, it's easy to blame special teams coaches. I like doing it. You like doing it. Eventually, the player has to use his head, right? Like, what are you doing? One, I think the player freaked out because he called a fair catch. They weren't even that close to him. I think he kind of just had a mental brain fart, calls fair catch, then just gets scared, drops the ball, and let's face it, they got very lucky. If they would have lost on either a safety, whether you know he had fumbled it in, picks it up, and they tackled him, or he fumbles it and they fell on it and touched down, and that's how Harbaugh lost that game, I think that would have been the worst loss in the history of football. Beside Harbaugh's play against Michigan State, didn't he get a punt block for a touchdown or a field goal block for a touchdown like his first or second year? I, I forget the exact moment, but definitely had one of those. Longtime Eagles fan. Very disappointed with their recent performances in coaching. What are your thoughts on Harbaugh to the Eagles? Seems like a good fit. Can Howie and Lurie pull it off? I would be a little stunned on that one. Um, I, I don't see that. I don't see that happening. I don't see that happening. I, I think even if Sirianni were to lose out, lose to the Giants, and then lose in the first round, he's coming back. He's coming back. I mean, just a month ago, he was 10-1. But I do think he'd be in major trouble. I, I do think he's getting another year. But like I said, you know, on the podcast part, if your head coach is an offensive coach, and your offense is a question, your quarterback's underachieving, like that's kind of a reflection of the head guy. Being a head coach is about more than just motivation. It's about scheming and developing, and improving. And right now, Sirianni is, feels like he's kind of dropping the ball on that one. I would be stunned if Sirianni, no matter how ugly it gets, I guess if they got shut out this weekend and shut out in the playoffs, you never say never. But Jim Harbaugh, Philly, I don't quite feel that one. This is a real question. Would you have sex with Brock Purdy's log of poop in the toilet? Thanks, and keep up the good work. That was a real DM I just got. Question for the Three and Out podcast. I'm a Washington Commander fan, sadly. What quarterback would we go after in the draft? At number two, we're not going to get Caleb Williams, but I'm not convinced Drake May is as good as advertised. I agree. Do you recommend we get May or Daniels in round one or shore up our O-line and try to get a guy like Bo Nix in round two? He also said Penix, but I think it's pretty clear Penix not going to be there. I say this all the time. Anytime we have these questions, Patriots, Commanders, any offseason question, until I know who your coach is, it's a wasted exercise. Like, to me, Commanders, obviously Ron's getting fired Monday morning. Who's their next coach? Who's their next coach? If you told me Bill Belichick's their next coach, I could see him just loading up the roster and playing a season with Sam Howell or drafting a guy in the mid-rounds. I do not think he'd be a lock to take a quarterback at number two. Do not think it. But if you told me like Ben Johnson was their next coach, they would take a quarterback. A young coach more likely to take a quarterback to me than even Jim Harbaugh. If you told me Jim Harbaugh was the next coach, I, I could see him taking like an offensive lineman. <laughs> so I, 
until we know the coach, the management structure of any team, it's impossible to guess what's going to happen moving forward. It, it really is. And I, I think, obviously, Oakland or Vegas, Chargers, who else am I missing? Tepper, Commanders, you know, the Saints, if they miss the playoffs, he's getting fired. You know, the Patriots situation. I'm sure there are going to be several others that we don't even quite. Atlanta. It's just impossible to know. Chicago. Even guessing. Like, well, who's making the decision? Who's making the decision? Because if you tell me the Bears win this weekend and they bring everybody back, like, yeah, maybe they do keep Fields. If Fields outplays Jordan Love. Because if he outplays Jordan Love, you feel pretty good about it. Like, that's the guy you got to beat. Jordan Love's not going anywhere. He's through 30 touchdowns. So if we can beat him on the road in Lambeau when they got to win to get into the playoffs, maybe he survives. How did Tomlin have Mason Rudolph as a third-string quarterback coming into the season? I know he has only played two games at this point, but he's clearly an improvement over Trubisky and even Pickett. The mismanagement is the reason I feel the Steelers need to move on from Tomlin. If you want to argue with me about Trubisky, and I've seen some comments whenever I've said that Trubisky's contract is the worst in the NFL, and people are like, Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson. Well, those guys are starting quarterbacks. Deshaun's obviously not, wasn't very good this year, but when he played, their team won. They went like 5-1. and one. Russell's not a $50 million guy, but you play him, he can throw touchdowns, he can keep you in games. You start Trubisky, you are guaranteed to lose. Guaranteed to lose. That's with TJ Watt, Fitzpatrick, some other good players, Highsmith. Guaranteed to lose. Guaranteed. Not just lose, but look fucking terrible. $8 million. You paid $8 million for a guaranteed loss. Yeah, Russell's overpaid, but I can win a game. Deshaun Watson's overpaid. I can win a game. You could, you lose. You miss the playoffs because of Mr. Bitt. You don't even sniff the playoffs if he's your starter. And when you make him your backup, he's one snap away from starting the whole season. So you can't blame Matt, Matt Canada for that. I do not believe you can blame the, the ownership for that. Maybe there was organizational pressure from the new GM. I, I don't know. I'm with you. Th- that move, it'd be one thing if like, you know, they haven't looked that much better. They've won it. They look dramatically better. They look like this team was, would be a real wild card team. This version is like, God, if they were the sixth seed, could they beat the Chiefs with this Mason Real? I don't know if they could, but you would take them seriously. If I'm a Steeler fan, I'm pretty pissed off, right? It, listen, Kenny Pickett underachieves. You drafted him. You had to play him, whatever. The moment he gets hurt, we, we, we not only went to Trubisky, we went with him for a while. What was the game? Oh, it was the Colts game when they threw in Mason at the end, the like two minutes left to go in the game. Why didn't we fucking do this at halftime? That game alone cost you the playoffs if you could have just went to him in the bullpen at halftime. There was this loyalty to Trubisky like he was Roethlisberger. Crazy. Michael Lombardi mentioned that Vrabel's contract is up. If true, he'd be a top candidate for most teams, no? Chargers, yeah. One thing's pretty clear is the buzz on Vrabel was not that he was going to get fired, which kind of felt like a couple months ago. It's like, what's going on there? He doesn't like it, right? And what he clearly doesn't like, the structure, something with ownership, this new GM, and he's got options. Because anytime you've won playoff games, you have his resume as a player, you have his respect around the league, he would be a lock hire. 
you, you could argue if him and Tomlin were available, like who would you rather have? Same similar guy, right? In terms of just tough old school. The other thing, if Arthur Smith gets hot fired, if you're Mike Vrabel, you just bring Arthur Smith as your offensive coordinator. And after what we just witnessed in Atlanta, I mean <laughs> Arthur Smith, like he ain't getting another job for a couple of years. So you basically get Arthur Smith and Vrabel. It's why I think Belichick is kind of interesting as a head coach. Obviously, he's Bill Belichick, but like he's, he gets to reunite with Josh McDaniels if he wants to. So part of it's a package deal. If I'm going to hire a defensive coach, who's your offensive coordinator? That's why I like you know, Colin's big thing on offensive coaches. Because when I hire you, you call the plays. I, I give Sean Payton $90 million. Listen, we might have issues. I know that guy's calling the plays. Andy Reid, McVay, Kyle, LaFleur. What the fuck's Sirianni doing? Even Dable, CEO head coach. Your offense is terrible. I mean, Dable's offense is atrocious. You're the offensive coach. Your defense is good. The defense coordinator doesn't even want to be there anymore. I think we'll end on that. So keep firing those DMs at John Middlecoff. Have a good, uh, hopefully everyone's having a good week. We only get to say Happy New Year for a couple, couple more days. So Happy New Year. See you soon. The Volume. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.